Put your GM hat on. We're talking extensions. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're probably part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And in the spirit of the Corbin Carroll contract extension with Arizona, I want to talk a little bit about guys that debuted last year and who should you give a contract extension to. Obviously, we've seen some of those guys already get locked up. We've seen Julio Rodriguez sign what is probably the most complicated contract extension in baseball history, and if not, it's pretty close. But you saw Michael Harris, Spencer Strider all get locked up. And so let's have a conversation about the guys that need to be signed and maybe how much it would take to sign them if you were to go ahead and extend these young players. And the first one is Baltimore Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman. And the reason I want to start with Adley Rutschman is probably not that surprising. I think that he's already one of the better catchers in all of baseball. So, reminder, last year comes up May 21st. First hits a triple, I believe. And look at what he does over the course of the 113 games that he gets in Baltimore as a member of the Orioles. 254, 362, 445. 13 home runs. 49 extra base hits, 65 walks to 86 strikeouts, 4 of 4 on stolen bases. You know, only had 13 home runs, yes, but was an absolute doubles machine. Puts up 35 doubles, and I think as time goes forward, you'll see more of those doubles turn into home runs. But catching is so much more than just the offensive production. Obviously, this is good offensive production. I would argue in general, not just for a catcher, but in general. It's an OPS plus of 128. And when you think about the average OPS plus per position, we've talked about positions where defense is not at a premium. Things like first base, you need to have an OPS plus over 100 to be average. Catcher is one of those positions where uh, the the average OPS plus from the position is lower than 100. So being at 128 not only means that he was a good offensive player, he was one of the best offensive catchers in all of baseball. He ended up 5.2 war last year, uh, not just for the offense, but also for the defense. Adley Rutschman was fourth in framing. And his caught stealing percentage, 31%, so 6% above league average. His entire year last year, if you look at every catcher with 400 or more plate appearances, Adley Rutschman was first in WRC Plus at 133. He was second in F War, 5.3. Second in on-base percentage with a 362. And was third in weighted OBA at 354. So Adley Rutschman already plays at 
a level of one of the best catchers in baseball, both offensively and defensively. And theoretically, what is logical, he's only going to get better. Now, first overall pick in 2019 out of Oregon State, you knew Adley Rutschman was good, right? Do we think we knew he was this good? The the Orioles would obviously say yes. I don't know if we knew he would be, as soon as he debuted, he'd be one of the three or four best catchers in baseball. And so trying to price an extension for Adley Rutschman is a little bit tricky because you have to figure out the right way to do a comp on this. If you're looking at other top prospects who signed extensions early, I think the two ways to look at it is the Julio, like the two comparisons you can use, the two comp- this is the only time we're actually going to use comps on this show, people. Uh, the, the only comps you can use when it comes to young player extensions are going to be something like Julio Rodriguez, which for the sake of this argument here, we're going to call it a 12-year, $210 million extension. It, in reality, it's two separate deals. The first one's like a seven-year deal for like $120 million, buying out two free agent years. And then it's hugely variable. That can be seven, five, seven, zero, eight, ten 10 years on different amounts depending on finishes and all of that. We're skipping all of that. So the Julio Rodriguez deal, we're just going to work as if it's a 12-year, $210 million deal. Or the Wander Franco deal, which was signed before Wander Franco came up for 11 years and $182 million. So you have some framework there if you want to start with an extension. Uh, You can look at the young top talent that's gotten extensions and base it off of that. Now, those two comps work if you're looking at an Oriole for life type contract, right? Something where you're going to sign uh, Adley Rutschman for double digit years. You're going to sign for 12 years or so. And there's pros and cons to this, right? The pro of this is you avoid losing a homegrown star like you did for Manny Machado, where you had to trade him to the Dodgers because you knew you couldn't resign him in free agency because you didn't lock him up early. Uh, the cons to this, there are cons to this. Uh, one, the Orioles have really not committed a lot of money to the future at all. Uh, the last time you did a large long-term deal was Chris Davis. Seven years, $161 million, and that contract was essentially a bad deal the moment it was signed. So there may be some organizational hesitancy to sign a deal that long. So the flip side is you can look at a deal like what Atlanta did last year for Michael Harris and for Spencer Strider. Uh, Those are deals, both guys who debuted last year, so same year as Adley Rutschman, shorter-term deals that don't keep a ton of free agency, like they don't buy out a ton of free agency years, but they give you some cost certainty as to what's going to happen. Something where, one, you can avoid having to go through the arbitration process because we've seen with Corbin Burns and things like that, it can be acrimonious, it can damage the relationship between the player and the team. And you save money on, if he really is the best or second best or third best catcher in baseball, what those dollar figures in arbitration might end up being. The top catchers right now, by average annual value, JT Real Muto is $23.1 million AAV. Salvador Perez, 20.5. Yasmani Grandal, 
$18.25 million. If Adley Rutschman ends up being a top three catcher in baseball when he hits arbitration, doing a shorter term deal like a Spencer Strider, Michael Harris type deal could save you a little bit of money and give you cost certainty going forward. So you're looking at a five to seven, maybe eight year deal with a lower average annual value. So Michael Harris signed for eight years and $72 million. Uh, So average annual value of $9 million. Spencer Strider signed for six years and $75 million, about $12.5 million in average annual value. I think if you are signing a short-term deal for Adley Rutschman, you're trying to get the cost certainty in the arbitration years, buy out a couple years of free agency, somewhere between five and seven years feels like uh, feels like the right spot. Adley Rutschman is 25 years old. So if you sign him for six years, maybe seven years, that's a scenario you keep him through age 31. When a lot of catchers begin to slow down a bit, you have him for his prime. You're not paying for the years outside of his prime. And you ha- always have the option to re-sign him if he- it turns out his aging curve works out well and he is still a, a, a contributor a contributor into his 30s. I think that deal, you're probably looking at it coming up near where those top three catchers are. It's probably not as high as JT Romuto, but it's probably in the ballpark of Yasmani Grandal or higher. You're looking at 18 or $19 million a year average annual value on a five to seven year deal for Adley Rutschman. If you go to the Oriole for life deal, you sign him to a 12 year deal until his age 37 year one, it's going to be a bad deal in the back end. Almost every single one of these contracts are. It's not a scenario, you know, we just saw a bunch of shortstops sign a bunch of long-term deals this offseason. They're all being paid till they're 40, 41 years old. Most of them probably will not live or will not be on the roster on the back on the very end of that deal, similar to how Albert Pujols was not on the Angels for the very last year of that deal. I think if you're doing a longer-term deal, though, an Oriole-for-life type deal, you can probably come back a little bit on the money. And so rather than having to pay $18 million, something like that, for a deal per year, you're probably in a situation where you can get away with 15 or so, given the cost certainty, and knowing that, hey, he's still getting a lot of money. I mean, you... 12 years, $180 million is $15 million a year. And that is, in essence, Adley Rutschman's entire career. There is a chance that he takes 180 to $200 million and says, yes, I'll spend 12 years my entire career. $200 million gets to you to about $16.5 million a year. There's a chance he takes that. But it's a scenario where I would understand the hesitancy from the Orioles if that was the only option that they had. In just a minute, I want to get to potential shortstop extensions. There's two different players we're thinking of, and one of them is probably not a guy you've expected. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is here. Uh, This show comes out on Thursday. All of the games start today. It's going to be just tons of 
basketball action. Morning, afternoon, evening, into the night. FanDuel is where you want to be all day on Thursday because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money line, point scores, threes drained, all of that. You can combine those bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, maybe it's not catcher that you're looking at to sign an, ex- uh, an extension from a guy who debuted last year. Maybe you're looking in the middle infield, talking about defense, looking at shortstop. There's a couple candidates who I want to discuss about the options for shortstop for them. They're probably going to cost slightly different, and it's because each player is at a different point in their careers. So the first guy is Astros shortstop Jeremy Pena. And the other is Royals shortstop Bobby Witt Jr. So Jeremy Pena, 136 games last year. 253, 289, 426. 22 home runs, 44 extra base hits, 22 walks to 135 strikeouts, and 11 of 13 on stolen bases. Came out about 4.9 war on the season. Conversely, Bobby Witt Jr., had stats that were very, very similar in the regular season, albeit with more stolen bases. So his 150 games, 254, 294, 428. And compared to Jeremy Pena's 253, 289, 426. I mean, the batting average, the on-base, the slugging are all within points of each other, right? Bobby Witt has 20 home runs, 57 extra base hits, Uh, 30 walks to 135 strikeouts, and 30 of 37 on stolen bases. That's the big edge he had there on stolen bases. But he's worth less war because Bobby Witt's defense at shortstop wasn't great. And so I think if you're looking at extensions for these two players, for Jeremy Pena of the Astros and Bobby Witt Jr. of the Royals, here are the issues that you have on trying to price these extensions for these guys. Uh, GM Dana Brown, in it, uh, who came from Atlanta, now in Houston, obviously in Atlanta, he famous for signing all of those prospects to, uh, or, or prospects and young players to long-term extensions in Atlanta. Nobody is as notorious for getting great values on extensions as the Atlanta Braves. If you try to pay Jeremy Pena, you're going to have to pay him based off of what he did in the postseason, okay? So 13 games in the postseason where you went and won the World Series. 345, 367, 638 slash line for Jeremy Pena. Four home runs, nine extra base hits, two walks to 15 strikeouts, 0 for 1 on stolen base attempts, but MVP of the ALCS in the World Series. So it's going to cost you more to sign Jeremy Pena than it will to sign Bobby Witt. Jeremy Pena, and he's right to hold out for more money than what you would be offering Bobby Witt Jr. in a vacuum. Now, 
I think for Jeremy Pena, something that makes sense, a deal that is reasonably priced based on what you saw a lot of major league shortstop sign in the offseason, you're probably in a scenario where you have to where you have to go to at least the $20 million a year threshold if you want to sign Jeremy Pena to a longer-term deal. I think you're probably looking at something like a seven-year deal that would buy out two free agent years. Uh, so like seven years, 140 is the absolute floor. Because if you look right now, uh, shortstop salaries in 2023, you have seven shortstops who are making at least $20 million a year. You have Trevor Story, Javi Baez, Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor, and Corey Seager. I don't think there's any way you can get Jeremy Pena to a deal that is less than $20 million a year when he can turn around and say, Wander Franco got 11 years and $182 million, which is $16.5 million per year, before he came up, I came up, was MVP of the World Series, batting 345, 367, 638 with four home runs and nine extra base hits in the postseason, as well as playing a pretty gosh darn good shortstop. There's no way you're getting Jeremy Pena for less than $20 million a year. Like seven years, 140 is the floor for a Jeremy Pena extension. Whereas with Bobby Witt Jr., I think you have a little more flexibility. Again, stat line, statistically very similar offensively. More stolen bases than Pena, but very similar. Defense, he was not nearly as good. On a per-play basis, Bobby Witt Jr. was one of the worst defensive shortstops in baseball last year. And now I think he's better than that. I think the potential is there for him to be better. But there are questions about, does Bobby Witt end up moving to third base simply because he struggled so much defensively at shortstop last year. You'll probably see him open this year as the starting shortstop. We'll see what happens going forward. But I think because of that, you have the ability to structure this deal in a way that gives him some cost or gives him some security, gives you some cost certainty, and lets him be a free agent before age 30. Uh, It's going to require the biggest deal that the Royals have done. The current record for the Royals was signed in March 2021 by Salvador Perez. Uh, Four years, $82 million, about 20 and a half average annual value. I don't think you're going to get that expensive on a year basis for Bobby Witt. But I think looking at the fact he's 22, something where you sign him for, say, seven years, $105 million, it comes out to $15 million average value. You're probably going to backload that because it's a lot cheaper to buy out a pre-arbitration year than it is to buy out a free agency year. But that's a scenario where you get cost certainty, you buy out two years of his free agency. The selling point for him, he becomes a free agent before the age of 30. And if he plays to the caliber that he thinks he is and that he was projected to be, he'll still be in line to get a massive second contract 
from a team in free agency if it ends up not being the Royals. So something I think you need to discuss. I think the Royals need to look at it. J.J. Piccolo is probably, he's indicated they've already uh, broached the topic and they are open to an extension. It's just a question of the money and everything lining up and working out. In just a minute, I've got a couple pitchers that I want to talk about and trying to figure out how do you price the pitcher extension. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our new sponsor, Ultimate Baseball GM. Uh, This is a really, really cool app. If you have dreamed of becoming an MLB GM and managing your professional baseball franchise, like, I don't know, maybe trying to figure out which prospects that debuted last year you should sign to extensions, this is the app for you. Your dream can come true. This game is definitely for you. In Ultimate Baseball GM, you manage every strategic aspect of your team. Uh, Simulate through the season and you lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coach and staff. And that involves managing the team finances to make sure you can pay for it all. Scouting and drafting players. That includes managing personalities, morale within the team, chemistry, things like that. And navigating your franchise through free agency and all of the ups and downs of a season. And all of this takes place in a challenging but detailed and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free. It's playable offline. You can play on the go when you want as much as you want to. Uh, it's We have a, 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 a league set up for MLB show hosts for Locked On. And it's been tons of fun for us competing with one another, seeing who can build the best uh, team, who can win the most championships, who can build the best farm system. Obviously, I kind of have an advantage on a lot of the guys there. But... It's been really interesting to kind of dig in to see exactly what type of philosophy you want to enact offensively, defensively, from your coaches, getting everybody in the organization aligned and on the same page. Uh, it's, it's an incredible way to uh, spend a little or a ton of time on it, however much you want to give. Locked on MLB Prospects listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the pro Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code on the screen, or look it up at the App Store. That's probaseballgm.com for the Ultimate Baseball GM app. Start your dynasty today. Okay, so for the last extension possibilities, I've got some pictures, and the, we're going to take them se- separately. The first one is Seattle Mariners pitcher George Kirby. I think that he is a good candidate for an extension because when you look at not only what George Kirby did last year, but also the team around him making the playoffs for the first time in a while on the back of your American League Rookie of the Year in Julio Rodriguez, who you extended, and going out and acquiring pitchers and then extending them like a Luis Castillo and a Robbie Ray. Uh, George Kirby steps into that rotation Throws 25 games in the regular season. 8-5 and five record, 3-3-9 ERA, and 130 innings pitched. 133 strikeouts, so 9.2 per 9. to 22 walks. 1.5 walks per 9. Only gives up 13 home runs. Trying to price this is admittedly tough. And I think it's tough because of some of the precedents that you have in Seattle. So you did acquire and extend 
Luis Castillo. He got five years, $108 million, which is $21.6 million in AAV. And you got Robbie Ray for five years and $115 million, so $23 million AAV. The issue is you have to get George Kirby to accept not the same pricing as the other starters that he's in a rotation with. You have to get him to accept the pricing that goes along with a player with one year of service time, like what Julio Rodriguez got. And the Julio Rodriguez deal is so incredibly complicated that I think it kind of presents a roadmap that says there is a way to get this done. And it is figure out what is an acceptable base of the deal. In our case, for Julio Rodriguez, we're discussing 12 years, $210 million. But put in plenty of escalators based on player options, mutual options, team options, team options with automatic escalators, so that like the Julio Rodriguez deal can become 17 years, $470 million if he maxes all of the possible options and escalators. And so George Kirby, there's an option to do something like that as well. To me, it feels like the floor for a deal for George Kirby, age 25, starts off at something like eight years, $100 million. Sounds like it's a little bit low, but I think what GM Jerry DePoto, who, friend of the Locked On Podcast Network, came on Locked On Mariners, great interview. Uh, I think what Jerry DePoto has to do is build in escalators for George Kirby, similar to what he did for Julio Rodriguez, based on finished and Cy Young races, finished on MVP votes, and things like that, so that this deal can automatically extend, the salary can escalate, or club options can automatically kick in based on performance, so that the base deal for George Kirby comes out similar to how Julio's base deal is seven years, $120 million. Uh, the base deal for George Kirby, eight years, 100, eight years, 110, and then it can escalate and come into more as things happen. So interested to see what goes on there, but I think your floor is probably eight years, 100 or eight years, 110, and you build off of that. The other pitcher that I want to see locked up, I actually have two different options here, is the Cincinnati Reds. It's something where Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo are both promising pitchers you drafted in the first round. Hunter Green was a first rounder in 2017 out of high school. Nick Lodolo was a 2019 first rounder out of TCU. Both these guys came up and pitched all year, struggled in their own ways, shined in their own ways. Hunter Green, 24 games started, 5-13 and 13 record. A lot of that was not his fault. It was Cincinnati's fault. But 4-4-4 ERA in 125 and two-thirds innings, 164 strikeouts, so 11.7 per nine, 48 walks, 3.4 per nine, 24 home runs allowed. The reason I'm saying Nick Lodolo or Hunter Green, either one is twofold. One, our hosts of Locked on Reds, Jeff Carr and Stephen Offenbaker, they don't agree on this. Jeff Carr says Hunter Green, Steve says Nick Lodolo. And their statistics, minus the, like excluding the win-loss record, 
their statistics are surprisingly similar. ERA is a little bit skewed by the extra home runs that Hunter Green gave up, but Nick Lodolo started 19 games last year. 3.66 ERA versus a 4.44 for Hunter Green, and 103 and a third innings pitched, 131 strikeouts, so 11.4 per nine, which compares to Hunter Green's 11.7, 39 walks for Nick Lodolo, which is 3.4 per nine, which compares to Hunter Green's 3.4 per nine, and 13 home runs allowed. I think that these players are very similar performance-wise. And so if you are the Cincinnati Reds, you go to the player that you have you feel has the higher ceiling, you make that offer to him. If he doesn't take it, you turn around and you go to the other and you can make a similar offer. This is something where Cincinnati fans need something to feel good about. Cincinnati Reds fans need something to think that, hey, our team is trying to compete. Our team is legitimately bringing up minor league talent. They've, they've All these losses, all of this movement of players has been for a reason. Nick Little and Hunter Green coming up, getting their feet wet, understanding how to pitch at the major league level means that as these position players come up, as your Ellie De La Cruz comes up, as your Christian Encarnacion Strand comes up, uh, as some of these guys, Spencer Steer, as some of these guys get to the big league level, the pitching staff is more ready to flip into win mode. And so I think this is a, a an important, one, cost certainty thing going forward for the Reds, but two, a message to the fans, to the players, that we are trying to compete. We, have, we are coming out of the wilderness, and we are on the backside of the rebuild. So, interested to see if Cincinnati attempts to sign either one of those guys to contract extensions. We haven't heard a lot out of their camp yet about that. This is the time of year, though. February, March, and April is the most common time that contract extensions happen. So, we'll see what comes out of it. That'll about do it for today's episode of Locked on Emily Prospects. Stick around tomorrow. We have a great conversation with James Bailey all about some of the most noteworthy, not necessarily best or worst, but most noteworthy debuts of 2023. Reminder, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com or drop your questions in the Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. Link's in the episode description. Link is in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, just remember, it's always a good time to pay a minor leaguer.